Flyover Footy, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, unsponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Phil here. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. It's been a while. I wanted to talk to you a little bit because I mentioned it in the actual show, but I never really went into detail the fact that um, we are renaming ourselves Flyover Footy, a bit of a, perhaps a chip on our shoulders that uh, people don't pay enough attention to the flyover states and the soccer world. And so uh, it's a name I've kind of had stashed for a long time and all the guys were up for it. So that's one that I chose and, and we're basically kind of rebranding so that we can kind of shed the learning years of STL Soccer Report and um, just kind of start from scratch. These guys are amazing. You can tell on the show how many good thoughts and good takes they have and how well they know the team, how much they love soccer in St. Louis. And so, um, yeah, I think this is going to be a really good group that we'll be able to get some shows in. Maybe not a lot, eventually maybe a lot, but, uh, you know, we'll just see how that goes. I wanted to let everyone know about that. Uh, that said, I've been really, really sick for a while now, so I should have put this out a few days ago, but, um, in this case, I am getting it out now this morning. So I hope you enjoy this show. It's all about the USL team moving up to MLS, a little bit about the USL team that we're gathering this year, um, and kind of catching up to, uh, where we are now. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for, uh, again, for tuning in. Welcome, everybody, to uh, what used to be called the STL Soccer Report, and we are changing the name to Flyover Footy for reasons you're about to hear, um, mostly because we've got MLS on the horizon here in two years, um, and we're bringing in a lot of fresh voices, thank goodness, uh, something that's been needed for a long time. and. I have asked some friends to come in and talk, some people I respect very much, uh, people whose opinions I very much like to, I look forward to reading on on the internet quite often. Um, I've invited them into my home in this case uh, to talk about MLS and the USL and all the things that are going to happen between now and then. Um, So let's get straight to introductions. Uh, First we'll talk with, uh, talk, uh, first I'll introduce Stuart Holtgren. Almost everyone has talked to him and seen him and gotten perhaps a hug from him on game day on Saturday nights. Uh, Stuart, how's it going, man? It's going well. Um, you were the obvious first first person to ask. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're here to talk all things USL and MLS with us. Santiago Beltran is uh, here as well. He does the Spanish language broadcast for St. Louis FC, so he gets, um, he gets a lot of good views on the team. Santiago, do you get to talk to the coach and stuff to prep for your game day um, play-by-play? Uh, I've always been meaning to ask you. No, not not often. Like uh, I have uh, interviewed uh, Coach Pulis a couple of times, mm-hmm. and um, we try to interview a player or two also every week. Mm-hmm. But um, what we have been doing so far is more trying to uh, get to know the players, but we don't really talk about uh, a strategy or anything like that to okay. prepare for the broadcast. Yeah, that's cool though. Um, the guys who do the broadcast, that's the thing I'm most jealous about is they get to talk to coaches every single week. So uh, they get a lot more insight than we do in a lot of cases. Um, our last guest, uh, co-host, whatever you want to say, Matt 
Oh my goodness, Matt Baker. See, I'm so glad I wrote it down because nice. I blank that easily, folks. Um, Matt, how long have you been following the team? Have you been there since since year one? I've I haven't been, been. I've been there since 2015. Yeah, I came. Uh, I've lived in St. Louis a lot longer, but I started following the team about halfway through the season, 2015. Nice, and been just following ever since. Yeah, I, I got into it the last few games of the first season, and then I was hooked. I was obsessed, and yep, you know, same. the rest. So, um, thanks. To all of you for being here. Uh, We're going to open up the show with the most recent news, um, and that is that St. Louis FC originally was keeping nine players with maybe Oscar Umar on the horizon, and then today I believe it was announced that Oscar Umar was also signed. So all these people are either um, their options were picked up or they're on a two-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to list those guys off. Guy Abend, Nietzsche Blastos, Paris G, uh, Fanuel Cavita, Russell Ciceroni, Kadeem Dakers, Joaquin Rivas, Tyler Blackwood, Kyle Gregg, and as I mentioned before, Oscar Umar. Stuart, let's start with you, man. Uh, what names stick out to you is, boy, I'm really glad these guys are around. Uh, well, the I think the sexiest name that's back, of course, is um, Tyler Blackwood. But I think uh, what I'm really excited to see is a healthy uh, Rivas, see how he performs this year. Uh, we really didn't get to see that much of him last year. Mm. I think it was, like, six games he was healthy for us. Uh, so Rivas was electric when he was with, with Tulsa, and just having him in the midfield kind of coordinating things, I think it's going to make a big difference. And he was kind of our marquee signing last year yeah. and uh, never really worked out. Yeah, he. I don't even think he hit his stride last year. Not quite. Not quite. Um, even though we were on such a hot start, he had a couple, couple looks that he looked really good on, and um, you could tell that the talent's there. Looking forward to having him healthy this year. Santiago, any other players you like a lot? Yeah, uh, I like Rosas Cicerone a lot, and I'm yeah. glad uh, St. Louis kept him. I think uh, Rosas Cicerone and Joaquin Rivas in the midfield will do a lot of damage. I agree. I would love to see those two play off of each other a lot, on top of Blackwood being uh, someone they got to worry about as well. How about you, Matt? Echoing these guys, um, I mean, you can't you can't really discount any of those guys. I'm really excited to see uh, Fanwell Cavita return. Mm-hmm. Iron Fan played every single minute. That's that's a, a play is just invaluable to the team to return. Without a doubt. And um, I, I'll just throw out there because – I've, I've kind of, I don't know if it's obvious or not, but at the beginning of the year, I was a little low on Kadeem Dakers. He's a great player. He's always been talented, um, but he's just not, he wasn't the workman that a, lo- that a lot of other players were on the team last year until, what, what do you think, two-thirds of the way through the season? The dude just stepped yeah. up another level. I've never seen him play like he did at the end of that season. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like how he played at the preseason. He had, uh, he led the team in goals in the preseason, I believe, like, six or something like that <laughs> yeah he was just banging them in uh and yeah the last it was last six weeks or eight weeks or whatever just got a, a fire lit under him and turned it was, on he was amazing yeah fortunate it seemed like maybe the last game or two that dropped off again but mm. no he was uh if if that was almost the uh, louisville city kadeem dakers that everyone was so excited about originally yeah without a doubt um yeah, and, I, and even the Cincy guys were a little low on Dakers, and I was never low on Dakers to the point they were. Um, but, you know, I think they would have loved to see the Dakers that we saw for sure at the end of the last season. And I look forward to what he'll do again next year. 
that leads us to uh, some players. We'll start with the two most talked about, at least as the ones I've seen on Twitter, not being in the team. Uh, Sam Fink and Hilton. Um, Matt, what do you think about these two? Any, any thoughts on that? Well, it's never a great sign when your leading goal scorer doesn't return for the next year. Mm. Then again, it's never a good sign for your team when your <laughs> central defender is your leading goal scorer. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sam Fink is just a St. Louis icon. There's really no easy way to think of him not being on the team. And it hurts from a personal and a professional perspective, I'm sure, for everybody on the team, everybody that follows the team, to not have him. And, I mean, Lewis Hilton was just an iron force out there with his crosses and he was the guy who was making things happen and to not have those two people return even with everybody else that's coming back those are big pieces that you're going to have to replace yeah both also are um their agent is pj savage one you know probably the highest profile usl um agent out there and so um, I don't know. I, I heard some some rumors about how uh, Paco Craig. Everyone's thinking he might be going to Phoenix or San Diego Loyal and uh, from Louisville City. Um, and every year I hear. I just found this out today that every year he kind of waits and sees like if he can make the step up to MLS and just explores his options before he ends up re-signing with Louisville, which is you know not a bad fallback. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping that maybe these two are just looking for something better. And I do hope for their sake that maybe they do find something better. Um, but if they don't, I sure would love to see them in blue and green again. Santiago, what do you think? Well, I was surprised um, to see uh, Sam, both Sam Fink and uh, Sean Reynolds go. Um, if you think about it, you had uh, three center backs, Fink, Reynolds, and Cavita. And um, at the end of the season, I thought one of them is going to go. But when they announced that only Cavita was coming back, I was really surprised at something, obviously, the leader of the team, the captain, leading goal scorer, but uh, all of those leadership qualities and guy from St. Louis uh, leaves his heart out there. So hopefully it's what you're saying. Maybe he's waiting his options and Mm -hmm. trying to find something better, but uh, it'll be great to uh, see him back. Yeah, one last thought about Fink and Hilton is I know Hilton had a lot of buzz for MLS right around the Open Cup, and Sam Fink was the Open Cup, what, player of the Cup or something like that, right? So um, both those guys, I feel like the prestige is there where if they are going to make the step up, like this is the year they got to do it, you know? So again, wish them the best. Um, we're going to miss them for sure. Unless, of course, we get them back. And I wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be sad about that again. Um, some other players... Sean Reynolds, as you mentioned, Santiago. We don't have a goalkeeper right now, and I thought they were both amazing. Although St. Louis has never really had a bad goalkeeper, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, Scott Gallagher specifically with its ties to St. Louis FC has mm-hmm. a lot of great goaltenders out there. And the guy, I think, who has a decent chance ending up in St. Louis is uh, Connor Sparrow, mm-hmm. who uh, Nashville's moving up from USL to MLS. They uh, picked up uh, Joe Willis, another actual Scott Gallagher, St. Louis guy in the uh, expansion draft. They also picked up uh, Grant Radising, the old... Uh, oh, Ranjit Singh, uh, yeah. Ranjit Singh, yeah. yeah, the old loose city mm-hmm. to uh, Orlando City keeper. And they have a third keeper that they picked up as well. So it doesn't look like there's any uh, space for Connor Sparrow in Nashville. So with no keepers in St. Louis, it 
just kind of makes sense that he'd come back here similar to what Gomez did um, and Pace also. I mean, we might see Pace come back again. Who knows? Yeah, right. It'd be almost silly not to give it a shot if we needed someone and, and we didn't get who we got our first try. Um, but, you know, we got we got Brian Jones. That, that's almost like we don't have to worry. We got Brian Jones. Um, another name I came up with, Audie Jepson, who unfortunately is never – He's either not clicked or once he does start clicking, he gets hurt, I felt like. And so would have liked to see him as uh, a guy that loves to shoot. And that's something that St. Louis has always kind of needed every single year. And and so I would have liked to see him pan out, but he is not back with the team. I hope he gets a spot. League One might be a good spot for a guy like that. So it'd be cool to watch him and maybe see him work his way back up. Any other players from anyone that you guys uh, were not bringing back that you would like to see at least do well somewhere else? Any thoughts? Well, all the guys that are not coming back, I wish them the best. Uh, everybody did something good for the team. Yeah. Um, mm. It will be interesting to see if uh, any of them, uh, if they don't find anything better, maybe the team will resign them. But um, I'm surprised that um, we, we don't have goalkeepers. Um, <laughs> defense, uh, only a couple of guys back. So... Uh, I was curious to hear your guys' opinion on, on that. Like, do you think uh, the team wants to uh, totally revamp the defense or um, maybe Coach Pulis is thinking about changing his style of play? Like, what are mm-hmm. your thoughts? It seems like it's a, a lot different game plan based on our strengths from last year. So last year, our defense is what held us in a lot of those games. and Our, our defense is kind of what really kept us in the hunt for a majority if not the entire year and to have two returners no goaltenders it's it's an interesting approach but you almost have to feel like the the talent is hopefully out there to bring in if not equal then you know greater level than what we had yeah and i i mean i was kind of surprised that uh, i think thought our center backs were particularly a strong suit um, and bon- Boehner not coming back, I don't mm-hmm. think, was a huge surprise necessarily. I thought he did okay, but he wasn't extraordinary. Um, Camden Fawo just didn't – the talent was there, but he didn't get on the same page. There were, of course, rumors that training, he wasn't kind of clicking with what uh, Ant was trying to get the team to do. So he sat for a good chunk of the season, didn't even make the bench. I think – Paris was the one who got the most flack from fans last year, so it's a little bit surprising. Yeah, uh, he came back, but I believe he has the same agent as Rivas and uh, Herrera did actually, hmm. and I think that agent usually does two-year deals. So I think G was under a two-year uh, from the get-go. So I mean, he has he has talent. It's just uh, hopefully his second season goes a little bit better than his first. He had a little bit of a better showing towards the end of the year too. Yeah, he, he did, and it. there was uh, one game where he showed some pretty good defensive ability that was just not there the rest of the year. But I don't know if he didn't get comfortable or he just got exposed or, or what, but he had some uh, sore games. I would just think, I think he's really good going forward as a fullback. Um, I liked, he's just a bit of a tweener in a lot of different ways. I feel like he's not quite up to the speed of championship. He would lose the ball pretty easily, and then he'd get burned every once in a while. Although, 
And Nashville, he killed it. That one Nashville game, he like shut down, um, starts with a B, but um, that really good winger that used to play for Swill Park. Um, but man, he really let a lot of, made a lot of bad defensive mistakes throughout the rest of the year, to be honest. Um, but I liked him as a shutdown outside midfielder, <laughs> strangely. They used him a lot for that toward the end of the year, and so um, that way you, you get him a chance. But you have to have a good lead for Pulis to send anyone he doesn't fully trust out there. Um, our kids got very little minutes outside of Open Cup, um, and so I would have liked to see Nietzsche get some more time. But, you know, maybe he hasn't earned it, and, and maybe he's not trusted for the right reasons. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting. I love... Camden Fiwa. I th- thought Bradley was amazing. I'll be sad to see him go, but yeah, I understand if, if the chemistry wasn't there. But I guess I want to ask you guys if you think, um, you know, Sam Fink sat the last few games, and I didn't know if that was an injury. I don't know. I don't know as much as everyone, everyone else here probably knows, but I wonder if, if it wasn't an injury, um, that maybe Pulis wasn't happy with our defense toward the end of the year. We were still doing such a good job for a full game and then letting one or two things go, and that's how we lost games, I felt like. So maybe he thought our defense wasn't good enough, and maybe we are in for you know, a rebuild or even a, a structured change. Does anyone have thoughts on, on that? I'm asking because I have no clue. Well, one thing I know he wasn't happy with was the left-back and right-back situation. You could see like every game it was uh, someone different uh, at both left-back and right-back. And uh, I remember I asked him once, like, what's going on? Why do you change so much? And he said, well, nobody has earned hmm. the right to be the starter. So uh, I keep trying different things. Whoever practices the best, uh, that's who will start the matches. But uh, according to him, nobody earned that job. Hmm. So uh, that could be another reason why uh, um, we only have two defenders back. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's going to look like a bit of a restructure back there. I think you might be right about that, Santiago. But, um, you know, we are keeping 10 players so far. That's pretty good. You know, for St. Louis especially, that's very good. So um, I'm happy that we're bringing back that many guys, that we're not starting from scratch, that these guys know how Pulis works, how his system typically doesn't change a ton from year to year, especially the way we, we kind of press and, and work our, our defense. Um, so... I don't know. I think that's... What do you think? The one thing I want to see this offseason is is a focus on depth. I, I think mm. bringing back 10 guys is great. Last year, we brought back a similar amount, I believe. It might have been a little more. I want to say we brought back 11 or so. Uh, yeah, might have been 13. I wanted yeah, to say 13 but, as well. But, I mean, this year proved... I mean, we played two competitions this year for, I mean, a really long time. Yeah. And I don't know that that's necessarily going to be replicated next year. But I think depth is... Was depth exposed a lot of things with our team this year, and it's not Ant's style to carry a really deep team. But I'm wondering if that's something that is being addressed or kind of nudging him in a direction to we need to sign more players so that we have that depth available in case these injuries to our big stars occur again. Yeah, and I I think he wants to also to add to that point. I think he wants to kind of build out the academy a little bit more so you can have guys slotting in. I think last year, if last year's run would have happened two years ago, we would have seen a lot of Jack Marr. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would have mm-hmm. seen, uh, I mean, Aiden was the starter for all intents starter, and purposes yeah. while he was around. Um, so last year, uh, 
you know, Lawson's a good player, but he's not really physically built yet. Um, he's he's not USL championship quality at this point, uh, but he'll be moving. He'll be with the team, I'm sure, again this year, and then moving on in the in the fall. Uh, the guy who's probably the one who might see the most time is uh, like Kyle Genenbacher. Uh He's been playing. I believe he's. I have to. I have to look at his age, but he's. An underage playing up with the U19s, and he's very impressive. I think he's 16. He's 16, yeah. yeah. He he was training with the uh, first team toward the end of the year, so uh, he's pretty impressive. As far as center backs, um, Joey Marr is the starter for the U19s, but I don't – I mean, he might sign with the team, but he's still – I mean, he'd get bullied around. Yeah. Jack was pretty skinny his first year with uh, the first team, and Joey's – definitely skinnier than Jack was so um, but I, I think Ant would love to have you know three or four guys who are younger he could just plug in um, I hope that's true Jansen Miller is not skinny you know what I mean that kid uh, and he's he's got a bully mentality I love watching him play with the U19s um, but you know championships another another <laughs> Beast. Yeah, <laughs> and he's leaving to to Xavier in the fall, so yeah. that's that's the problem. Kyle's the only one who will be around um, the whole season, yeah. so if he can make a play, he might might get some serious time. Yeah, and like you said, uh, he's a right back, isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. So he wasn't too happy with the fullback, so maybe he's willing to give him a shot. We'll see. Um, love that. I would love to see more of the youth come in, um, and we'll talk about a connection to the MLS team um, where. In a lot of ways, it would make sense, but um, I'm not sure that's in, in the thought process at this point. So uh, we'll talk about that later or another time. But um, when you talk about depth, that's something that Jeremy Allenball almost made it sound like uh, with the Luligans and made it sound like he was almost going to force Poulos to take a, a deeper roster this year. <laughs> um, but Allenball is now not here. And um, I don't think this is. I don't think our podcast is where we should talk about how great uh, Jeremy was and how much we'll miss him because all those things are true. Um, the Luligans did an incredible job with that. He went on the show the week after they did an incredible job and they did a great job there too. Um, so go listen to those episodes. Um, we're not gonna do that here, but uh, Jeremy is moving on to Chattanooga, and so um, you know we don't have a GM right now. I thought we should. Maybe talk about that. You know, who's making the decisions? I know Jeremy was around until this last Sunday. So all these latest decisions are still, you know, Jeremy's kind of taking business and shoring things up before he leaves. But um, international players announce in January, I believe. Yeah, I believe January 1st is when they register. So that's the next big move. And you almost want a GM here for two or three weeks before that, you know, in order to decide what international players to sign, if any, or to make sure we don't load up on too many or something like that. Um, what do you think? Is Poulos running the show right now? What is our team doing as far as GM and, and roster building is concerned? I think Poulos is the one that makes sense. Um, I don't know. Poulos on the GM side of things and then probably uh, Blake Decker uh, and Kip Thompson on the academy side of things, probably stepping up, taking more stuff, maybe Luis uh, Swisher doing some more of that stuff. And business side of things, uh, Petcher and Pat Barry are, I assume, the ones who are yeah. doing a lot more of that. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if a guy like Tyler in the front office mm -hmm. is getting a little bit more responsibility on some things. But, 
uh, it seems every everything seems like Ant's going to be the one who's doing the personnel scouting and decision making. Um, and the good side of that is we know the guy likes to do his homework. So I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think. You know, Peter Vermes has done fine with Sporting Kansas City, but I always like two heads, you know, looking at the same players. You know, I, I would never trust myself to put a full roster together without a whole lot of input or even someone telling me, no, that's a big mistake, don't do that, you know. So um, kind of the same thing in this room. Um, thanking you guys again for uh, being here. So it's not just my opinions going out there all the time, but um, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of decisions to make. Do you think they will find another GM? What do you think, Matt? I think they'll find another GM. Okay. I don't think it'll be a San Diego situation where you'll have a, a manager GM. I think that <laughs> even with everything going on in the larger St. Louis soccer scope, um, they'll have somebody in that position, ideally sooner rather than later, meaning 2019 versus 20. But <laughs> I think they'll need to fill that position in order to not just be competitive, but to field a proper team. Yeah, that's well said. Um, I forgot Landon Donovan's the GM and manager. That just <laughs> sounds he, like a terrible idea. <laughs> isn't he part owner, too? Yeah. He is. Yeah. 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 Um, but he's not a player. He's not so a player. he drew a line. Yes. Yes. Right. Not yet, yeah. He drew a line. We may see now. him back. Oh, my gosh. I just, man, I hope he's done his homework on the USL. It's a different world, you know? So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. They're rumored to get some really solid players, though, so maybe they'll just spend the money and they'll be fine either way. I mean, Jake Fenlison's from San Diego, so... Yeah, that's right. Every team needs a goalie. Yeah. yeah. A lot of good rumors going going their way. Um, so, you know, even Alan Koch did a great job with Cincy when they spent all that money, and then look what he did in MLS. So you can't go wrong if you buy a bunch of players. Um, yeah. Well, and that's another reason that... I think we need a GM in that position because our team, our market, we know we're not going to be the biggest spenders in the league, so we have to be smart. And I think a GM position is vital when you're in that kind of situation. Yeah, at the same time, if you're Ant, you're going to push to take over, maybe become Mm -hmm. a a GM coach or VP or something like that because if he does well in the next couple years with Mm -hmm. a lot of that personnel stuff, you have to imagine he's going to be on the short list to move up to yeah. an MLS job somewhere in the MLS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always wonder which players were like heavily, you know, brought up by Jeremy, or which ones are Pulis players. You can almost get a vibe because I feel like at this point we kind of have an idea of what Jeremy likes in a player, but that's something I just like to ponder from time to time who who brought who in. Um, yeah, let's move on to MLS though. Um, this is. I mean, at least half of, of the reason we wanted to bring this podcast up because um, there's just a lot going on, and I feel like we need a, as many perspectives on MLS and USL, especially um, from fans who are fans of USL for years and years, um, to bring up these kinds of things, just to add into what the Luligans do. But, um, you know, I think, <clears throat> I think there's been a very large disconnect between MLS and USL as far as what the fans have seen. And um, I just wanted to bring that up. Let's let's just have an open forum on that, Matt. Let's just start with you. I mean, maybe let's just start with like, what is the vibe, and, and why is it good? Why is it bad? What do they need to do? Well, we're sitting here from a perspective of San Luis FC fans, right? Right. So the perspective of that is not it's not sunshine and roses. Um, there is a disconnect in communication between organizations. There's 
it's not kumbaya, one big happy St. Louis soccer scene like we <laughs> think it should be. And it, I mean, in my opinion, it really should be. But um, you've got a group that has spent so much time getting the team and being awarded a team. Mm. So you've had all this energy being put into the, the marketing side of it and selling St. Louis and selling themselves to MLS. You haven't had them focused on what the soccer is going to be like in 2022. So they were awarded the team in August. At that point, I think we all were clamoring for more stadium information, more just more communication in general. So once the stadium information actually came out, I think we all got kind of a vibe on why they were so quiet, why it took so long and why it was radio silence on their part because the the stadium renderings and the information that came out for the district was honestly, to me, mind-blowing in its scope. Mm -hmm. Did not expect essentially a, a, a soccer city in downtown West. So I'm seeing all of the work that, I'm seeing the silence and then the delivery and then the silence and the delivery. Mm -hmm. But it's the silence that speaks the loudest to the fans, especially the fans of St. Louis FC who are seeing these great things happen on the larger scale. But the problem is it's staying at the larger scale for now. Yeah. We're not seeing the outreach overtly to St. Louis FC. We're not seeing the outreach overtly to the fans who have supported the various soccer teams, not just St. Louis FC, but all the other teams that we have in the area. Mm. And it's that disconnect that the longer it goes on, the more bad vibes are going to be present and, and time heals all wounds eventually we'll have an MLS team. Eventually everybody's going to go support it, but it's, it's how that builds that matters. Yeah. Santiago, what do you think? Well, um, the group is doing a lot of work behind the scenes, but as Matt said, there is a lack of communication and that creates a lot of anxiety within the fans. But I really hope, and I have a feeling that, um, Based on what I have seen, they're doing things differently. And I really think at some point they're going to find a way to uh, connect more with the fans and to figure out things with uh, St. Louis FC and the academy. All the structure is there. So uh, I think I don't think they're just going to start from scratch and um, don't take advantage of all the structure that the city has and in, ter in terms of fans and academies and soccer. So... I think they will be able to connect the dots once they move forward and the stadium um, gets started and all they, they get all the deals and tax credits they're supposed to get. I think they're going step by step, but eventually they will figure it out. What do you think, Stuart? Yeah, I mean, it's um, I'm not terribly thrilled by change just as a person, but uh, I th do think that MLS for the Lou does have the right people in place to connect. It'll be different than what we have now. Um, what do you mean, Hasso? Uh, well, I mean, they... Having talked to some of the people over there, uh, specifically Vin, who oh, yeah. I think everyone here has talked to, uh, Vin's backgrounds in community organization and he he does a great job about that so i i think the team is going to be handling that very well going forward i don't have a any concern about that um how it 
uh, dovetails with St. Louis FC is a question that has, I think, bothered all of us, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and as someone who really follows the academy close or as close as kind of is able to, uh, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of good stuff there. I mean, this is a U19 team that from last year that got to the semifinals nationally. And um, my fear, and it might be ungrounded, but uh, Scott Gallagher is a bit of a boogeyman around St. Louis still. I think uh, we're all aware of that. Uh, and a fear of mine is that MLS for the Lou doesn't incorporate some of Scott Gallagher because they don't want to be associated with Gallagher explicitly. Hmm. And I think that would be a mistake, mostly because losing is going to stink a lot more than being associated <laughs> with Scott Gallagher. And if they pass up on any opportunity to to win and win fast, that would be a mistake from a soccer operation side of things. The Scott Gallagher boogeyman, first of all, I don't really know that story. So maybe you should fill this in, but I'm even before I know that story, that can't be a thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's way too vital to use that academy. But what is, I mean, what is that story? What has Scott Gallagher got a bad name for? Well, I mean, Gallagher's known for, I mean, I hated Gallagher growing up. I think, I mean, Matt, did you grow up in St. Louis? But growing up in St. Louis. I when I was growing up. Yeah, I mean, I played a little bit of Slicer, but I knew people who played for Gallagher. Mm -hmm. Most of my friends played for some of the other club teams. I mean, um, my brother-in-law played for Bush before they merged with Gallagher, and they hated each other. My brother-in-law still feels weird coming to, he's only been to three or four STLFC games, (laughs) because he hates Soccer Park so much. Wow. um, Because it's associated with Sky Gallagher, and it's, um, so it, it definitely is real for some people. But it seems like Gallagher has done a lot to kind of mend things with other clubs like Lou Fuse, who's huge in the area. Yeah. Um, and, I I mean, St. Louis FC was even practicing at a Rams Park, I believe, at one point last year with the yep. flooding stuff. Yeah. So um, getting youth club soccer in St. Louis seems like it's always been a mess. And uh, MLS for the Lou is really the only ones that'll be able to get everyone together and hopefully they can but uh it it might get a little tough not to upset people here and there while they do it Mm -hmm. um but that's not a, a job or a task that i envy no not at all in fact talking to vin who i i will reiterate that he's 100% the right guy for at least the uh Getting into the grassroots of soccer, that is like where he lives. He's in love with it. He's been there to do it. Um, I'm so excited about that side of it. Um, but he's got a tough job, you know. And I think the hardest thing he's going to have to do is communicate to MLS for the Lou um, all of our complaints in a way that isn't just like, you know, some of these things matter. You know, like he's going to have to pick through some of these things that really matter and, and really communicate to them how important they are, not just to us, but to the success of the club. And then a lot of these things are not going to matter. You know, he's also going to have to somehow 
weed through that and, and talk to us down here and be like, listen, <laughs> ease up on that topic because it's just not going to happen or they don't find that to be a value without hurting our feelings, you know, or, or making us say, well, screw the club, we're out of here, um, which would be um, a disaster if, if the Lulican leadership were to do that. And I think they know that, but um, I just know that right now I'm, wi- I'm right in between Knowing that they don't have a technical, like a sporting director or a coach or a GM or anything in that role whatsoever, there is no technical staff up there, as far as I know, at least. And if that's the case, like, you kind of understand why there's no communication, um, because the person who's going to go to Carolyn Kindle Betts and say, we got to talk, we got to get these academy guys in here. Like, that's the technical director. That's the guy that's going to go to the leadership and be like, we let's do whatever we have to do to make this academy go straight into our MLS team year one. Like, to me, any smart technical director that they find is going to say that. You know what I mean? If he doesn't, he's a complete moron, and he might as well be fired. I'm going to that's I don't like hot takes, but that's my hot take of the night. Um because it's just so obvious that we have like such a gold mine here. And the problem is, you know, like Nashville didn't announce their technical director until like less, less than a year ago. You know what I mean? And now they're in the thick of MLS, um, getting their team together for next season. And so like, we shouldn't freak out that a technical director is not there, but also no MLS team has gone into MLS with such a goldmine of an academy to where they should be, in my opinion, there should be a technical person there communicating with MLS to the academy. If you don't want to talk to the USL team, fine. Like I, That hurts me personally because I'm a huge fan, but get that academy in there and then even work towards building the grassroots below that. But my God, we got to use that academy. I'm going to stop talking there. Santiago, what do you think about all that? So um, I want to ask you, should hiring a technical director be a priority? Is that something the group should get done in 2020? It's a priority. I, I mean, you can't run a, a team and have a competitive or even a team on the field without a technical or a sporting director, whatever you're going to call them. I think that there are... I think that's down the line, and I don't think it's a concern necessarily yet because of how far out we are from the start of the season. You look at um, some of the other clubs that started and will start soon and compare the timelines. Uh, Austin was the one I was looking at because they're not starting until the year before us, and they hired their technical director in January of this year, mm-hmm. January, February. So we've got – I mean, we're, we're not yet to that point where we're behind any other team with the leadership of soccer operations. I think – and I hope that in conjunction with finding that person, we're working, we're being, meaning the MLS ownership group, is working on uh, the, the academy structure, working on their lower league affiliate, however that's going to look. And I think that it's a, it's a conversation that our ownership group, Carolyn and them, are having with MLS. So hmm. I don't necessarily think that MLS is doing anything out of MLS for the Lou is doing anything out of spite to St. Louis FC, I think they don't really know themselves how it's going to end up mm-hmm. and how it's really going to look. Because, uh, I mean, we know our ownership group are civic-minded, first and foremost. The Taylor family is civic pride in St. Louis. They're, they are St. Louis through and through, but they're not soccer people. They've said as much. It's not a dig because they will admit that. 
And Carolyn even said recently on a, a Channel 5 interview, KSDK, that she picked up a soccer book and started reading it. I mean, they're, they're quick learners. They're studying up. They're figuring out the sport. But they've also said, uh, Lee and Carolyn said on a, a Bernie interview recently that they're getting their onboarding from MLS. So I'm not sure if that looks like a checklist or what that looks like, but they're taking their cues on how to build their soccer team from MLS. And whether MLS has thoughts on St. Louis FC, we are overlooking a little bit that Jim Cavanaugh is still part of the ownership group. Mm -hmm. What say he has, I don't know. But Jim even said after we were announced to have an MLS team, St. Louis FC is not going anywhere. Now, granted, that's a very ambiguous statement, and it could mean a whole lot of different things, but... He said it, and I hope that stays true in one way, shape, or form. But you've got him that Don knows, Don Garber knows that Jim Cavanaugh bleeds soccer in St. Louis. So I'm hoping he has a say in those onboarding conversations. They find a way to make St. Louis FC work as part of that structure. And then as they're having those conversations, they get the technical director on board who is either familiar with that kind of a structure, has some familiarity with uh, USL team or USL academies, um. Yeah. No, I agree, Stuart. Where do you fall? Yeah, I mean, I I disagree that we're not behind other groups just because Sacramento already has all of that built out, and Sacramento is the team that we're going to be compared to when we go in. Um, Austin set up an academy, um, but but all of these academies they're starting. I mean, a lot of the DA academies are starting at. U14, U15, and then basically you just move up a year and you add a younger you know, U14 the next year and you have the 14s to 15s. Uh, I mean, Sacramento Republic have, in my opinion, I mean, the second best to St. Louis FC Academy in USL. North Carolina would probably disagree with that assessment on both <laughs> counts. But uh, it, it just seems like this is a golden opportunity. It's... It's not a panic mode. Matt, Matt's, I, I think you're definitely right about that. There's yeah. no reason to panic. Um, it's just something that, as a person who loves to complain on Twitter, it's something I can c- complain about. Mm. Now, if there's no technical director in a year, I will That's I will be worried. I think we'll all panic at that point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, because I think uh, if, if you got a guy like Aiden and a guy like Jack on your as a homegrown maybe it's a guy like Giuseppe Garo or maybe I mean Kyle Gennenbacher will be 18 in two years right so maybe you convince him to sign as a homegrown and then in the second season he could be your starting right back at a, as a 19 or 20 year old I mean academies like any sort of young prospects are all hit and miss but I mean it's just uh, it seems like there is the ability to have something that no other recent expansion team has had outside of Sacramento. Um, but of course, Sacramento came into USL with building out the expectation that they'd be in MLS shortly. And that was, well, five years was <laughs> win, not if, um, in Don Garber's words. So, well, and the so the key to it, whether we're ahead, behind, or right on track with Sacramento even, is how St. Louis FC folds into it, right? So best case scenario is an affiliation is made with St. Louis FC. The academy is absorbed into the, the pyramid, 
the famous pyramid that we've all seen. <laughs> yeah. um, it went if, away. That, if that happens and we, we MLS for the Lou gets to benefit off of everything that has been building up until now, I think we're still ahead of Sacramento as long as we hire the, the leadership appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. If that doesn't work out, if there's no affiliation, if they're separate entities, MLS for the Lou does their own, um, startup academy based on other youth teams, other structures in St. Louis, or s- for some reason starts their own independent academy structure, then we'll have a different conversation. I agree. I think some of my favorite things of what you guys have said is, Stuart, I think you said it perfectly when you said we have a chance to make a splash, like to really have something special in year one that I don't think any other expansion side has been able to start with. Maybe Sacramento coming in, but St. Louis has this academy that could be something very, very special. And right now, there's no connection to that academy. And and we just need a technical director, perhaps sooner than everyone else at this point, because all the other expansion teams that have come out, because we need to get them in sooner than later. We need to connect this bond right now. There's no reason to let this like just go to waste for a few months or years. And honestly, we need to make a connection to the staff as well down in the academy and, and continue um, their experience and maybe move some of them up into the senior level so that there is good communication. Um, just because it's just something we need to make just a smooth transition from bottom to top. And you can't do that by just ignoring someone and then coming up one day and saying, hey, we'd like to use these kids and then bringing them in at that point. You can. I'm sure that would work to a certain extent, but that's not would be the most what would be the most successful. Um, you know, ideally, we will still have a USL team to trial these kids out at between between. Uh, Uh, academy and MLS. So, you know, we need to do that now, in my opinion. And I think that means we need to get a technical director in sooner than all these other expansion sides have in their own timelines. The other side to that, though, is that I thought it was interesting, Matt, that you said that they're listening to MLS. And I guarantee you they have a checklist, first of all, because anything I've done in business, I've gotten up to some decently high levels and every step of the way, someone's got a checklist and it's your job to figure it out, the checklist and to get it all knocked out, which is hard enough. But people give you a map, you know, they want you to be successful because it makes them successful. And so I guarantee there's a checklist and I don't know if we can trust the, um, pardon me, the league, MLS, the league to, tell them, listen, you've got a great academy, because it's never happened. And like I said, it's never happened to this extent. Um, I think someone mentioned how um, usually, yeah, Stuart, you said usually they start with a U14 and work their way up. So as far as the league's concerned, they've got like five years to figure it out because everyone else takes about five years. Um, Right. Yeah. I mean... So hopefully they're not just relying on the league. We got to get a technical guy in there. You know, the sooner the better in our opinions. I think we've all kind of shared our thoughts there. But, you know, just kind of something clicked when you said that, Matt. And so um, that's where I lie. Santiago, we haven't heard from you in a while. We'll all kind of have one more thought about MLS before we wrap up for this week at least. So I think there is still a lot of work to do. But uh, Matt was saying... um, Caroline Kindle Best and, and the Enterprise Group, uh, they're all civic-minded. I think, um, and that's my hope, that they will do something different and uh, the team will be able to make a splash, see someone. Uh, hopefully they take advantage of 
the structure that is already in place. Obviously, we wish that St. Louis FC is still there. That's still an unknown. Uh, but even though people say, oh, a lot of silence, I, I have a feeling that maybe that silence could be good too. Uh, and Matt was saying they don't know a lot of things. They're still trying to figure a lot of things out. Mm. So um, I think at the end it's going to be something good for the city and for the community, maybe a little bit different, but I think they'll be able to figure out all that structure and all, all the things that are already in place. Yeah. There's plenty of time still. Matt, final thoughts? I think for the people who are disappointed in the silence, it's going to be a long holiday season. <laughs> because the next <laughs> the next few weeks are still going to be business-oriented. Uh, this, I mean, this past week, they um, the LCRA went to the state to ask for tax credits. We've got another couple weeks until they hopefully vote on that. So the next time we hear MLS for the Lou in the news, it's going to be that business side. Mm. It's going to have likely nothing to do with St. Louis FC. Um, that'll probably, if I was a betting man, carry on to 2020. Uh, best case scenario to me is something is uh, discussed before the start of the season, before the first kick, but you know, even that's not a given by any stretch of the means. And it's frustrating as a, as a season ticket holder. It's frustrating as a, a fan, a supporter. It's, it's not what you want for a club that you've supported for, since their inception, five, five plus years now. Um, lower league soccer is tough for any city. We've got a really good thing in St. Louis, and it would be a more than a shame, a crushing blow for any of that to not be around just because the big daddy's in town. I think there is a path towards a cohesive union there, and that's what I'm looking forward to. But I'm okay with radio silence for a little while because I know that they're working on things, and I know a lot of things are going on behind the scenes. I know the community outreach is happening, like Stu was saying. Um, they've, got their, they've got their people who are reaching out to just everybody in the, in the community, fans, um, youth clubs, organizations across the board. They're doing legwork that we don't know about. And so while I would love for them to say something big and make a splash now, that's not their mantra. It never has been. And so I'm willing to wait during the silent times because I've seen what they can deliver and how much of a splash it makes when they deliver it. They do seem very prepared once it comes out, like you said. Final thoughts, Stuart? Uh, uh, just that the off season is dark and long and <laughs> depressing. Uh, hopefully I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, USL schedule. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks would be a great Christmas gift for me. Yes. Yeah. Plan our road trips. Nice. Yep. <laughs> That's, I'm all, yeah. My in-laws and I always have like a, a long text thread once the schedule comes out on where we want to go. Top, top 10 places. So, um, we'll talk about that when it comes out for sure. Hopefully next show. Do we want to take bets on what conference we're going to be in next week? <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious though. It's got to be East. I think it's got to be East. I think we're staying. Finally. Can't believe it. Maybe it's our good luck charm. It's all we needed this whole time. <laughs> Break that curse. <laughs> it does feel like a curse. Um, well, that's it. That's our first show for uh, Flyover Footy. Hope you enjoyed it. I was a little rusty and nervous, and it ended up pretty good, all things considered. So stick with us. Hopefully in another couple of weeks we'll get together and talk about some more news. Um, thanks for listening. Bye.
The show is brought to you by our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.